all the things you prayed for. Chapter 28. Snow Melt. Content Warnings. This chapter contains scenes of violence and torture. This chapter also contains non-explicit, heavily implied sexual content. After that first mission, Kravitz begins seeing the soldier more often. Or rather, the soldier starts finding him. They return to the base in Leningrad, the one with the entrance behind the small store that sells cigarettes and candy in the alley that always stinks of piss. They return after the soldier spent an hour showing Kravitz just how flexible he was, his hair coming all tousled and loose, just like the photograph in the wallet Kravitz had been given. Kravitz made sure to memorize the way the soldier looked as he came. He did not hold any illusions of working with the soldier again. There were very few certainties in Kravitz's life, and the soldier was such a high-level asset that even Kravitz, who did not flatter himself to think of his work as exemplary, would only ever be partnered with the soldier by chance— and that was assuming that the soldier would not be wiped as soon as they returned to base. Sometimes that happened. The soldier was too valuable to leave out of his cryotube for long. Kravitz, watching the soldier fix his hair, had a feeling like something hot expanding in his chest. But they returned to headquarters and were both given a clap on the shoulder by Alexei, who still made a snide comment about their lateness. The soldier just sneered at him as he walked past. Oh, we finished the damn mission. What do you want from us? He had said. Tell him, Bones. Kravitz, not used to talking back to handlers, had just shrugged. Alexei rolled his eyes. The soldier's cheek is rubbing off on you, he said, only the barest hint of warning in his voice. He must have been in a good mood. Oh, <laughs> something rubbed off on him, the soldier had said, and laughed high and wild before patting Kravitz on the shoulder and brushing past him, walking into the trenches of the base. And that was the last of it. Kravitz had assumed. A good mission. A successful mission. Another memory of the soldier to keep. Kravitz gave his report, leaving out him and the soldier spending most of the night in bed together. The handler, receiving his report, nodded and filed the recording. Didn't question his story or question discrepancies. Kravitz then returned to his bunk in the barracks, and stripped out of his borrowed suit, meticulously unstrapped the weapons that he kept under his clothes, in the sleeves and at the ankles, and placed them in their proper places in the locker under his bed. He hadn't needed any of them this mission, but it makes him feel naked not to keep his weapons on his person. The borrowed wallet sat on his bed. He needed to return it, along with the suit— he opened the wallet up and looked at the photograph of the soldier. 
he thumbed it out of the slot and bent over to look at the underside of his mattress against the metal frame. There were pieces of paper jammed into it, a cigarette carton, things that Kravitz had wanted to keep but could not justify having if asked. Nothing damning, just small oddities. A photograph of the soldier would be damning, he thought. He couldn't think of a reason why, but it felt illicit, and he couldn't think of a good reason to have it. Requisitions would assume the photograph was lost during the mission. He would be scolded. The way the soldier smiles in the photograph. Something about it tugged at Kravitz. Kravitz slid the photograph face up into the space between the mattress and the bed frame. He stood. He dressed himself in his standard-issue black pants and shirt, picked up the wallet and suit, and went to return them. And Kravitz assumed the photograph had really been the last of it. Except the next week, the soldier slides into the seat next to him in the cafeteria as Kravitz is mechanically eating. I'm going to teach you an American accent, the soldier said, without any preamble. He was wearing black leather and had a mask around his neck and a red line across his nose and had the scent of smoke on him. In English and Russian. You're back, Kravitz responds, all flat surprised effect. The soldier grins, which is not the usual reaction to Kravitz's voice. Just today. Sorry I didn't see you earlier, Bones. The soldier apologizes without any real apology. I was in London. He says the last line in English, accent surprisingly American. I didn't expect to see you again, Kravitz says, but he supposes it makes sense. It has been a continuous autumn, politically speaking. There must be much use for the soldier. There has been much use for Kravitz himself. This is the first week in a month that he has not been sent on an assignment. He had been looking forward to a short rest, but seeing the soldier is better. Nobody expects me, the soldier responds. Come on, finish eating. Come with me. I'm taking you out. Is that allowed? Kravitz asks. The soldier rolls his eyes. Training? Kravitz allows the soldier to drag him out of the cafeteria into one of the few foreign restaurants in the city, one that Kravitz had never been to before. He orders for Kravitz and makes Kravitz speak English, gleefully correcting all of his mispronunciations. I'm wet works, Kravitz is exasperated into saying. Sure, for now, the soldier says. Don't you know? Cross-training makes you more effective. How about when they send you to the States, huh? Kravitz doesn't have a reply to that. The soldier is right, as per usual. And he smirks at Kravitz and orders apple shorloka for dessert. After one bite, the soldier wrinkles his nose. I don't like shorloka, the soldier says, pushing the plate away. Why did you order it? 
Kravitz asks. The soldier looked confused for a moment. It just seemed like the thing to do, he says, and his face relaxes. It's American. He hands the plate to Kravitz, but takes Kravitz's small dish of ice cream in exchange. After he finishes eating, he licks the spoon like a cat. The dinner sets a precedent. The soldier showing up out of nowhere between missions to drag Kravitz away for training, or taking him on missions when the soldier needed a partner. The soldier never gives Kravitz any warning. He likes to show up unannounced, and the handlers never give Kravitz any unnecessary information in advance. Kravitz would prefer to get more forewarning, but Kravitz would prefer many things he is not going to receive in life. So the months pass, autumn turning cold, the first snow falling on Leningrad, the canals freezing over. Kravitz learns an impeccable, mid-Atlantic American accent, how to choke a man with his thighs, how to dispose of a body at midnight in a fashionable district. He learns that the soldier favors citrus-scented soaps, that he always does his hair back up immediately after sex, that the sigh he makes after shooting a rifle sounds exactly the same as when he comes. Kravitz learns that there is room in his uncertain life for more uncertainty, that the soldier's presence is no hardship at all. Bones, has anyone ever taught you to dance? The soldier asks the question without any preamble, falling into step with Kravitz as he walks back from a debriefing. The meeting had run long, and Kravitz is very tired, between the cross-examination and the lack of sleep. The op had gone very south very fast, and Kravitz ended up hightailing it out of a second-story apartment in Bath after taking three international flights, slipping through two border checkpoints, and finally taking the bus back through the winding roads of Leningrad and slinking back to base in the wee hours of the morning. It's nearly noon, and Kravitz has no idea what day it is, and he's looking forward to a break. Kravitz is running on three and a half hours of sleep. His muscles ache. His clothes are soiled with sweat and dirt and blood. His plans were mostly to shower and sleep, but he perks his head up at the sound of the soldier's voice. He looks at the soldier, who is smiling at him. Kravitz smiles back. The soldier looks good. The soldier looks like mischief, and while Kravitz is usually happy to follow the soldier on his antics, right now, Kravitz mostly wants to be horizontal for a bit. No, he says. Hello, soldier. The soldier grins at him, then gives him a pat on the butt before linking their arms together. Hello yourself, baby. Wow, you look Awful. Thanks, Kravitz says. I just got back from... Well, it was kind of a disaster, really. Yeah, I figured from the general... The soldier gestures at Kravitz's person with his free hand. 
Too bad. You're coming with me. Got a thing I need your help with. Does it have to be now? Kravitz can hear the whine in his own voice. He shouldn't be so emotional, even if he is tired. The soldier presses closer to him, slowing their stride down, but it makes something in Kravitz's brain nice to have the soldier so close. Yep, time-sensitive as fuck, Bones. Don't worry, it'll be fun. I already cleared it, so get your ass in gear. Kravitz sighs and lets the soldier lead him down the corridor that leads down to the garage for vehicle requisitions, rather than the corridor that leads to the barracks. He can't say no to the soldier, even if he does want to sleep. All right, Kravitz says, if you need me. The soldier links their hands together. Course I need you. I'll drive. You can sleep in the car. I want to drive, Kravitz says. The soldier always requisitions the nicest cars. You look like you're about to keel over, the soldier says, opening the door to the garage and leading Kravitz through. Take a nap. You're driving on the way back. Hmm, Kravitz says and lets the soldier open the passenger door to the ZIL-111 and gently push him in. The soldier takes the driver's seat and revs the engine. Kravitz likes the sound of it. He almost never gets to drive the fancy cars. The soldier turns the car smoothly out of the garage and glances at Kravitz before he turns out onto the road. He leans over to wipe a smudge of dirt off Kravitz's forehead. Kravitz leans into the soldier's touch. It's gonna be kind of a long drive, the soldier says. I'll wake you when we're there. See, leans way back, too. All right, Kravitz says, because the soldier is easy to say yes to, and Kravitz is exhausted. He should have said no to the soldier when he told him to come, He's not going to be useful like this, and being useless could get the soldier hurt. Kravitz would like to avoid that. He frowns at the soldier. Not going to tell me where we're going. Dancing, the soldier says playfully, tapping Kravitz on the nose as he turns the steering wheel. Nothing too strenuous, Bones. Just wanted some company. Don't worry too much. You're so serious. It's called being a profession. <sighs> Kravitz begins, but he cuts himself off with a yawn. The soldier laughs a little. <laughs> Sleep, Krav, he says. It's my fault you're out here, Bones. Kravitz sighs leveling the soldier a long, suffering look. He wouldn't be so unguarded as to sleep in a car with another agent, or the agent anyone but the soldier. But Kravitz trusts the soldier. He closes his eyes. He falls asleep to the sound of the car purring and the soldier humming tunelessly 
to a song that Kravitz doesn't know. Bones, wake up! We're here! Kravitz is immediately awake, pulling out the knife in his sleeve. The surprise at waking in an unfamiliar location, pinging all his instincts wrong. The soldier's bright laughter gives him pause. Kravitz blinks, still stupid from the sleep, and looks around. The landscape is unfamiliar to him. None of the Leningrad streets, not the tall buildings. Only a few houses, worn down with fading paint. The very outskirts of the city. Not somewhere he usually goes. He's trained in most survival scenarios, but that doesn't mean he has experience with them. Is this where the op is? Kravitz says, sitting up. A blanket falls off him. He doesn't remember having a blanket. He peers around. It doesn't look like where the mission is. It looks like an abandoned house with a dirt driveway. Nah, safe house, the soldier says, unlocking the car doors. We're about an hour away from the place. You slept like the dead. Kravitz still feels tired. It can't have been that long a drive. The soldier looks as fresh as when they left. Kravitz puts his knife away and rolls his shoulders, grimacing. Where are we going? Fancy party. Secret party, the soldier says. Well, secret. The Red Room knows about it. We're just going to do some recon. And maybe kill a guy. Mostly recon, though. Just kidding. We really have to kill this guy. He opens the car door and steps outside. Cold air rushes in. Kravitz doesn't shiver. He opens the passenger door and steps out as well. He's not dressed for the weather. He hopes the soldier has brought an extra coat, or at least the op isn't going to be outdoors. When? What time is it? The soldier looks unconcerned. Gravitz checks his watch. Quarter past five. The soldier shrugs and pops the latch on the trunk. So we've got, oh, the rest of the night and some of tomorrow. It's one of those, you know, all-day-all-night things. Think it begins at eleven? No one ever goes on time. You said it was urgent, Kravitz says, a little exasperated. He definitely had time for a shower and a night's sleep. The soldier smiles at Kravitz like he's never done anything wrong in his life. Safe house has a double bed the soldier says, and pulls out a suitcase. Get the trunk, yeah? He turns to walk over to the entrance to the house, carrying the suitcase like it weighs nothing. Gravitz slams the trunk closed and follows. Inside, the house is tidy but dusty. The furniture is antiquated, second-hand. None of it matches. Some of the drawers and tables have a white cloth draped over. It doesn't seem like anyone has been here in a while. The soldier continues to the back of the house, opening the door to a surprisingly large bedroom with a full-sized bed. He sets the suitcase down at the foot of it and stretches. Kravitz sits next to him. 
He feels like if he were to lie down, he would fall asleep. He doesn't lie down. The soldier gives him a long look over. Kravitz takes this as permission to stare back. The soldier flicks him on the forehead. Plumbing should work, the soldier says. Go take a shower, Bones. Bet you've got blood all up your unmentionables. You seem to mention them on a regular basis, Kravitz says, just to hear the soldier laugh. The soldier, still smiling, cups the side of Kravitz's face, and Kravitz wonders if he is going to kiss him. The soldier is wearing an expression that Kravitz cannot read. You're... The soldier says, and trails off before shaking his head. It doesn't seem like the soldier wants a response from Kravitz. Go take a shower, he repeats, and removes his hand. Okay, Kravitz says. The soldier's right. Kravitz has dried blood in unspeakable places, and a few scrapes that have mostly scabbed up. He's been wanting a shower since he returned to base. He would have taken one had the soldier not whisked him on this not urgent, urgent mission. Kravitz is a little annoyed, maybe. But he has to admit a private shower and a double bed with the soldier on it have an appeal that make the delay worth it. Far nicer than the communal showers and his bunk. He stands and heads for the bathroom, the soldier calling after him that towels should be in the cabinet. The bathroom is, like the rest of this house, clean but dusty. There's a presumably used bar of soap on the stand in the shower. No soap by the sink. Gravitz wonders if this place belongs to the Red Room. It's more worn, less well-outfitted, less clinical than most safe houses he's been in. There's none of the supplies that the Red Room stocks their outpost with. Perhaps he will ask the soldier after he showers. True to the soldier's word, there are clean towels under the sink in the cabinet. Kravitz takes one out and places it on the counter before leaning to turn on the water. He turns the knob to hot and leans back out to strip. He leaves his clothes in a haphazard pile on the toilet seat. The first touch of water on his skin is almost so hot it hurts. Kravitz doesn't wince. He picks up the bar of soap and runs it under the spray before beginning to wash. It feels good to let the blood, the dirt, and the sweat run off his skin, replaced with the clean scent of the soap. There is no shampoo, but Kravitz's hair is only a scant millimeter of curls across his scalp anyway. The sound of the door opening makes Kravitz tense for a second, before relaxing at the sound of the soldier's voice. I didn't pack anything but fancy clothes for you, and undies, so enjoy your underwear, the soldier says. And Kravitz peeks around the shower curtain to watch the soldier place a scrap of black fabric on Kravitz's towel. The soldier has changed out of his leather and black canvas into an undershirt and dark blue briefs. He notices Kravitz watching him and smirks. What you looking at? 
You look wet, the soldier says. It's an awful innuendo, but Kravitz likes it anyway, suddenly feeling more awake than before. I am, Kravitz says, echoing the soldier's emphasis. You should come over here, he dares to say. He knows the soldier likes his body. The soldier likes it, and Kravitz shows a hint of cheek. Perhaps the soldier would be amenable to joining him in the shower. Kravitz dares to hope. I should come over there, huh? The soldier repeats, and he sounds amused. He walks closer. Kravitz is acutely aware that he's naked, and the soldier is not. You given the orders around here now? No, Kravitz says, because he wouldn't dare order the soldier around, not even as a joke. But you should come over here. Well, if you're asking so nicely, the soldier says, sounding like he's stifling laughter. The soldier strips off his undershirt and underwear as he walks over to the shower, tossing them on the bathroom floor. He looks like he's about to open a present. Kravitz has seen the soldier naked before, but the sight never grows less appealing. Like all operatives, the soldier is all lean muscle, but it's always surprising to Kravitz how slight the soldier is, stripped of his clothing. Not to say he looks fragile, the soldier doesn't walk so much as stalk, but when fully dressed, the soldier looks like a man of a larger build than he actually is. And Kravitz holds him. The soldier almost seems delicate. He opens the shower curtain to let the soldier inside. It's a tight fit with the two of them, the soldier stepping behind Kravitz snugly and putting his hands on Kravitz's hips, his half-hard dick in the cleft of Kravitz's ass. Hot water runs over the two of them. Kravitz is very interested in what's going to happen next. He's fucked the soldier before. The soldier has fucked him. It never stops being appealing. And Kravitz always files the memories of sex away in the back of his mind, to be taken out at night when everyone else is asleep, or when he is the only one in the shower. He doesn't think this is going to last. The soldier will tire of him eventually. The soldier leans his head against Kravitz's neck. Kravitz exhales, almost a moan. Between the heat of the water and the heat of the soldier, his own boneless exhaustion, he feels lightheaded. He closes his eyes, raises a hand so he can cup the side of the soldier's face. The soldier's hands wander, one downward, but the other presses against the edge of a large bruise on Kravitz's stomach. Kravitz flinches minutely. The soldier pauses. You all right? The soldier asks. I'm fine, Kravitz says, opening his eyes. Don't stop, just a bruise. Turn around, the soldier says, and it's not a request. 
Kravitz opens his eyes and turns around to face the soldier, who examines his torso with a clinical eye and the lightest of touches. The metal fingers feel like ice against his skin as the soldier runs his fingers down Kravitz's ribcage, his stomach. Shit, that's some bruise, baby. It's gotta hurt. I've had worse, Kravitz says. He doesn't want the soldier to call off sex. The soldier looks back up at Kravitz's face. You sure? Don't lie to me, Bones. You're a shitty liar. Nothing fractured. No, Kravitz says, and he's pretty sure he's not lying. His ribs are bruised, at worse. He can handle a little physical activity. Keep going, please. Hmm, the soldier says, and then he's pulling Kravitz closer, and his hands are in much more interesting places, and Kravitz has much more interesting things to think about than his injuries. Kravitz does manage to wash up in the shower after the soldier is done distracting him. The soldier washes up as well, soaping up and rinsing his hair even though there's just the bar of soap. The hot water eventually begins to run out, the stream turning lukewarm. The soldier grumbles and leans over Kravitz to turn the tap. Didn't plan on getting my hair wet, he says. It's gonna be cold. It's only barely winter, Kravitz says. Cold, the soldier insists. He glances at Kravitz and winks. Worth it, though. Kravitz smiles back helplessly. He feels good and boneless and a little sore, and maybe ready to fall asleep right where he stands. It's a clean exhaustion. The soldier smiles back, a smaller expression than normal, but nicer, quieter. The moment passes. The soldier steps out of the shower, and Kravitz follows him, dripping water all over the tile. The soldier seems oblivious to the mess he's making as he grabs a towel and tosses it to Kravitz, taking the second for himself. He dries himself off efficiently before wrapping the towel around his hair and pulling his clothes back on. Kravitz wipes the water off his own skin and rubs his head dry. He puts on the underwear the soldier left for him. It covers very little. Go to sleep, baby, the soldier says. I'll be just a second. Gotta dry my hair. He bends down to open the cabinet. Okay, Kravitz says, but he finds himself strangely reluctant to leave, to open the bathroom door to the bedroom and end this moment. The bathroom is warm and humid from the hot water. Everything feels... muted. The soldier reminds him of the photograph like this in his underclothes, 
with droplets of water beating down the back of his neck. Gravitz wants to touch them. He hadn't thought the soldier to seem so human. The soldier stands, notices Kravitz watching, and smirks. If that's your idea of surveillance, doll, your reputation is bullshit. I'm not surveilling, Kravitz protests, just watching. Creepy, the soldier says. Go get your pretty butt in bed. I'll be there in a sack. All right, Kravitz says, and this time he follows the soldier's instructions, opening the bathroom door and letting warm steam escape into the colder bedroom. He steps out and over to the bed, goosebumps prickling his skin until he gets under the covers. He's asleep almost before his head hits the pillow. Kravitz wakes up to music. It takes him a moment to realize that the music isn't Russian. It's in English. The shape of the words and notes so different from the state-sanctioned records, from the few times he's heard live music. It's not instrumental, either. It sounds like sparkling wine. Kravitz opens his eyes and blinks a couple of times. The soldier is sitting next to him on the bed. Kravitz curled around him like a comma. There is a record player on the nightstand, emanating music as a record spins. The soldier is singing along quietly, out of tune. He sounds happy. Kravitz, still half asleep, tries not to move so as not to disturb the soldier, but when he twitches his head, the soldier glances down and grins. Welcome back, the soldier says. Sleep well? Hmm, Kravitz says, his thoughts all slow molasses. This is unusual for him. Ordinarily, when he wakes, he's immediately alert, completely conscious. The soldier leans over and pokes Kravitz on the cheek. Kravitz scrunches his nose and the soldier laughs. Get up, lazy bones. I've been awake for hours, he says. I'm bored. What are you listening to? Kravitz asks, not getting up but moving closer to the soldier, propping himself up on an elbow so he can peer at the record spinning on the player. It's a gray and black blur, almost like an afterimage, like fog. Nothing like how it sounds. No idea, the soldier says. Love the song, though. Want to see something cool? Kravitz nods. The soldier stops the music and lifts the needle off the record, pulling the record off the player. He shows it to Kravitz. There's the ghostly imprint of a ribcage against a field of black. It's an x-ray, Kravitz says, surprised. The soldier passes it to him. Neat, right? They're, like, super illegal. Kravitz pauses. Of course it would be illegal, 
It's foreign music. Had he been thinking more clearly, not distracted by the soldier speaking or the warmth of the soldier against him, he would have immediately realized. Where did you get this? The soldier rolls his eyes. What, you gonna report me? No, Kravitz says without thinking, but he should. He should have reported the soldier for a hundred small indiscretions, a thousand small slips of the law, for skirting the rules that govern the Red Room. This is a larger infraction. This isn't cigarettes or candy. This is a record. This means that the soldier has regular contact with the black market suppliers. This means the soldier might be compromised. The Kravitz can't imagine reporting him. He doesn't want the soldier to get in trouble. The soldier stares at him for a long moment and hands him the record. I got it from a kid in Leningrad. Makes them in his basement. Oh, Kravitz says, taking the record and touching the lighter image with his fingers gently. Ribs are cracked. How strange to make music out of medical cast-offs. This isn't an official safe house, is it? The dust, the old furniture, the lack of supplies, the soft sheets, the music, the way this feels like someone's home left long to rot. No shit, the soldier says, leaning back against Kravitz, arranging him so that the soldier can use him like a pillow. It's mine, sort of, I think. It's got the soap I like. Kravitz doesn't ask, but the soldier glances up at him, and his confusion must come across because the soldier continues to speak. I don't always know what I know, but I know that I know it, you know? No, Kravitz says. The soldier laughs. <laughs> don't worry about it. The place is clean. No bugs or whatever. Not from the Red Room or anyone else. Don't you trust me, Bones? I sleep around you, Kravitz says, annoyed by the question. Of course he trusts the soldier. The soldier should stop asking. Kravitz knows that he's being careless to trust him. The soldier shouldn't keep rubbing it in Kravitz's face. The soldier's expression softens, grows strange. Kravitz can't read it. The soldier looks away and scrambles to his feet, kicking the sheets off the bed and taking the record from Kravitz as he goes. Kravitz misses the warm weight of the soldier immediately. He follows the soldier's lead in getting out from under the covers. The air is cold on his bare skin. He briefly contemplates going back to bed, but he's curious about what the soldier is doing. Kravitz sits on the side of the bed and watches as the soldier bends down and rummages under the bed. This is mostly not an excuse to look at the soldier's ass, the long line of his back. You said you didn't know how to dance, yeah? 
the soldier says, more rhetorical question than actual, because the soldier continues to speak. Well, baby, you gonna learn. Cause if you don't know how to dance at the thing we're going to, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And aren't you supposed to be a spy or something? I'm wet works, Kravitz says. I don't care, the soldier says, mimicking Kravitz's cadence. He sits upright, emerging with a record sleeve. Here, stick this on. Kravitz takes the sleeve and pulls out another x-ray record, this time of someone's humorous. No breaks. He stands and puts it on the record player. He places the needle in the necessary groove and turns it on. Rich music. Still foreign, but smoother. Something more similar to the classical instrumental Kravitz has heard before. It's music for ballrooms, for dance halls, for parties and hotel lobbies where everyone is in suits and fancy dresses. All right, the soldier says, and Kravitz turns. He's standing now, still dressed only in his underclothes, his hair a sleep-tossled mess, holding his hand out for Kravitz to take. I'm gonna show you how to lead. A boy like you probably ain't gonna be following. Okay, Kravitz says, stepping closer so that the soldier can arrange his hands to his liking. You know that I'm never going to need this. I don't go on these sorts of missions. Bones! the soldier says seriously, raising his hands to cup Kravitz's face between them. It's a strange temperature contrast between the metal and flesh. Kravitz likes it, how uniquely soldier it is. I am going to take you on all sorts of missions. Okay, Kravitz says again, a small smile spreading across his face without conscious effort. Whatever you want. Kravitz doesn't state the obvious, that he'll follow the soldier wherever the soldier wants to take him, that he's secretly so very pleased that the soldier wants to take him on his missions, that the soldier wants to spend time with him, or perhaps just thinks he's useful, or has potential. All that is acceptable. He'll be whatever the soldier wants, so long as he'll have him. Good boy, the soldier says, and he sounds like he's teasing. The soldier leans up to be kissed. Kravitz kisses him. Kravitz leans against the balcony and slides his eyes over the party. Live music wafts over quiet chatter, the occasional contagious burst of laughter. The women are wearing jewelry that glimmers in the bonfires set up along the lawn, warding off the chill. The men are sharply dressed, slick hair and slick suits, languidly holding drinks and eyeing each other like sharks, 
The target is sitting on a rattan lounge chair, talking to a beautiful woman. The target will leave with the beautiful woman, will slip into a quiet corner, assuming that their night is about to become something risque. The beautiful woman has been paid to place a single tablet of a proprietary chemical into the man's champagne glass, which will lower his inhibitions and mental capacity. Kravitz and the soldier will escort him out of the corner to somewhere private. Then Kravitz will proceed to spend the night taking the man apart. First the mind. And, if that doesn't work, the bones. The soldier will be there, standing behind Kravitz and offering commentary. He will probably make Kravitz laugh and ruin the interrogation. The soldier will tease Kravitz for this, be completely unrepentant, and Kravitz will be charmed, despite having been momentarily distracted from the mission at hand. For now, though, Kravitz leans languidly over the balcony, gaze sweeping over the party, glancing at the target ever so often. Footsteps behind him, the heavy stride of the soldier's shoes, He's awful at walking normally and projecting his existence like a civilian, although he scowls whenever Kravitz mentions it. Kravitz doesn't bother to turn around. An arm slides around his waist. Kravitz consciously relaxes into the grip. I got you a drink, the soldier says, pushing a glass into his hands. Smile a bit, handsome. You look too sour. Nobody looks sad at these things. Gravitz gamely pastes on a grin. The soldier squints at him, pats his cheek, and says, Still looks like cardboard, baby. Gotta get you more practice. He tosses back his drink like it's water. Gravitz briefly thinks of the rumors that haunt HQ, that the soldier is enhanced beyond even the Reapers, that he's immortal, not human. That he's a devil the handlers made a pact with. Don't worry about it. That's what I'm here for. Here, give me a kiss. The soldier doesn't wait for Kravitz to acquiesce, pulling Kravitz down by his tie for a scorching press of the lips. There's tongue. This is not for show. The soldier has never kissed like some of the other agents have kissed him, dry-mouthed, eyes open. The soldier always closes his eyes, even when they're on duty, as if he trusts Kravitz. This is the most confusing thing about the soldier to Kravitz. The way he leaves himself open, seemingly deliberately. Kravitz wonders if this is because the soldier thinks he would be too difficult to subdue. He probably would be, Kravitz knows. But the levels of confidence are staggering. He touches Kravitz like Kravitz is a luxury. Kravitz has never been touched by anyone else as anything but a weapon. He wonders what the soldier is thinking. The soldier continues to be enigmatic, and Kravitz doesn't think it's on purpose. Even now, the soldier is smiling at him, almost mischievous, despite the fact that they're on an undercover mission. 
It looks like he's angling for another kiss. Kravitz would be very happy with this, except for the fact that Kravitz has been thinking ever since they left the not-safe-house safe-house. He's very awake now, and the pieces aren't adding up. The strange glances the soldier gives him, the way he pulls Kravitz out of his routine, the addition of Kravitz to this mission that only needs one operative. Kravitz might be an intelligence agent, but he prefers the direct approach. He puts his hand on the soldier's shoulder. What are you doing? Kravitz asks. The soldier glances at his hand and back up and shrugs. Well, handsome, I'm trying to put a smile on your face. This mission didn't need both of us, Kravitz says. The soldier levels him a long look. Some of the false levity falls away. Something assessing rises. The soldier has a gaze like a spotlight. Kravitz wonders if it's a sniper thing, or if the soldier is just like this. A laser-like focus on the things he values. Kravitz wonders if he is something the soldier values. No, it didn't, the soldier confirms. This is a milk run. Why am I here? Kravitz asks. He doesn't mean just this mission. He means the string of missions that he's been taken on in the last few months. Overnight trips, assassinations, plenty of opportunity for the soldier to take him apart in hotel rooms, back seats of luxury cars, to sink to his knees in an alleyway and leave Kravitz gasping and clutching at the soldier's hair. But efficiency is baked into the Red Room's protocol. He should not have had the opportunity for any of this. The soldier shrugs again, twirling a lock of hair on his finger. I asked. Come on, Bones. Anyone ever show you a good time? Inter-asset relationships are prohibited, Kravitz says by rote. They are, the soldier says. He tugs Kravitz closer, arranges Kravitz's arms around him. This isn't a relationship. It clicks into place. So I'm your reward for good behavior, Kravitz says. He does not find the thought displeasing. It is a better assignment than many he has been on. The soldier pinches Kravitz's stomach. Don't read too much into it, he says. Hey, shit, I think the target's moving. And then they're back into it. The conversation subsumed beneath the more present mission. End of chapter 28